of the buttons. Here it goes, here it goes. Okay, run. Go. Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? You're doing real good, real good. It is awesome. morning time. Um, <laughs> someplace, <laughs> someplace, right? <laughs> it's morning someplace, yep. Yes. Uh, excited to talk to Chandler today. Chandler, you have such a wonderful and interesting background, and I know you're going to give us a lot of great leadership information today. But first, so that everybody can get to know you a little bit more, so we can get to know you a little bit more, tell us something about you that we might not know just by looking at your LinkedIn bio or if we've heard you speak or just the, the interaction that we've had. What is it that people don't know? Well, thanks, Barb and Glenn, for having me today. And wow, you actually caught me off guard today, man. I wasn't expecting that question, but <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, uh, let me think about it. For me, I would say one of the biggest things that you know doesn't probably come across easily in my LinkedIn profile or maybe not be the first thing I talk about in one of my speeches is that really me being able to um, complete undergrad in three years, finishing that degree, um, and then pursuing uh, my double master. So one master's education and then master's of business administration within two years following that um, while all playing collegiate basketball um, throughout that process. You know, I believe that a lot of times it's, it's not really hard. I don't harp on it too much because in that part of my life I was focusing on uh, really getting things done, really that hard work and dedication that is sometimes um, overlooked when we're focusing on collegiate sports, that we're constantly doing that on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, working on the collegiate sports, and you're, you're a Division One basketball player, but it just dawned on me the power of finishing in three years. I, you know, I tell people I was on the five-year plan, and I wasn't playing any kind of sports, but you finished <laughs> that, and you, got the, you did the double masters. That takes a lot of effort. Was there any skill set that you bought over from being a D1 basketball player to those to help you get through that? For sure. For sure. It definitely was. Um, from the literally the time crunch as well as the structure that they were giving us, right? From the, the mindset we have as athletes, right? That we don't quit, that we know how to deal with adversity, right? So, for example, when a deadline's coming up and we have to finish an assignment or, you know, we have to crunch out, you know, a project within the last few days, that's a piece of cake for us athletes because we're used to crunch time periods where you have a minute, 30 seconds to score or get a stop or a defensive play. And that's a lot more stressful. You're physically involved. You might be physically tired. And those skills are very transferable, uh, translate translate very um, easily over to the real life, you know, even co to collegiate life, all the way to our work life. Because having those situations where we're put under a very stressful environment, when we go into the workforce, we're used to it. We're ready. We're already being equipped. Um, and those skills allow me to actually kind of put my hard hat on and just get to work in the classroom, but also on the court. And I definitely can say when you have that structure, when you know you only have a certain time to study, when you have a certain time to eat, you're training for a certain time, you're traveling, that schedule really predicts and really allows you to kind of mold and to get everything done. Because when you have a lot of extra time, just, you know, you know, that, that comes up, distractions seem to happen, you tend to procrastinate, and the next, you know, you're forgetting to do assignments. So that structure, the mindset, the coaching, the guidance, all from uh, collegiate sports that allowed did that definitely helped me and play sports sports throughout my entire life helped me actually get to where I'm at today. Wow, I have to love it, don't you? Love it. I'm just having a hard time even visualizing what that schedule looks and feels like getting done in three years. <laughs> in addition to collegiate sports, I mean that's that's a heavy load. Um, it's a grind. 
It's so when you're grinding, I think all of us in our leadership journeys, we have seasons of life that are more of a grind than others. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's good when you are focused and you, when you're trying to get to, to your end game or your end goal, what happens when like you, you take your foot off the gas because sometimes you need to pull back and you need to see the bigger picture again. Yeah. So you, you were in a really focused season of your life to get to another level. What happens when you get to the level? Do you, how do you pause and look around? Like, how do you ever take your foot off the gas and not completely lose steam? Yeah, I think there's just levels for everything. Right. And within life, we always have to take a time and, and just kind of evaluate where we're currently at, where we're, where we're where we're going and how we plan on getting there. And I, I had this analogy I was, I was listening to just other day. It was like as as you're trying to, you know, propel like this, let's say you're a rocket and you're going to the next atmosphere, you're going to outer space and you're going up. Every single level requires something to be let go. Right. Something to kind of you know release in your life where you can mm -hmm. actually get held to that next level so in that period when you're releasing something you have to slow down right you have to evaluate what's needed what's not needed so we can speed up and hit that next atmosphere right so that's what leaders have to focus on is what do i need in life right now what am i going because they always say uh, elevation requires separation right so as you're going up you need to be able to figure out what areas of my life i need to focus in on which areas am I maybe strengths and weaknesses, maybe some type of SWOT analysis a little bit, but just be able to know it's okay. To, and I would say it's okay to, you know, I think you should celebrate your victories, right? In those time periods and then get ready for that next one. I feel like if you're constantly grind, grind and grind and you'll eventually grind yourself out. But if you take a time to rest, you know, uh, recover, you're able to get to that next level even stronger. So I say, hey, celebrate the, the small victories, take your time to evaluate where you're at and then start preparing for that next level you're trying to achieve. When you're working with people, though, this, it seems awfully hard to get leaders to decide to slow down and celebrate, and I hate to put it this way, in a healthy manner. How do you suggest that the leaders figure out how to celebrate in a healthy way? Yeah, that, that's a good one, Clint, because typically a lot of the ways people celebrate aren't the healthiest. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm big on health and I'm big on always taking care of your body. Your body's a simple. And I, I would say that it's it's finding ways that they can actually um, essentially enjoy the where they have come and give like, an attitude of gratitude of what they've been able to accomplish. And, you know, even to the point where like you maybe have like a little celebration or maybe go out for a team meal or team dinner, where they're able to actually really just think about and actually kind of re uh, kind of reevaluate everything they did to get to that point so they know exactly what they need to do to get to that next level and you know within a lot of team bonding for me i, I think a lot of great things happen over over food <laughs> so having a, a, a meal yeah, yeah. And, and really being able to bring people together to kind of you know give grace of what you guys were able to do you know have like i said the attitude of gratitude and then start you know planning for that next stage that next step in life Find that kind of interesting. Which, which season, maybe it's not, a, maybe season isn't the right word, but which one do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy like when you're in the grind and you're starting to build something new or when it's growing and you're cultivating it, but you're still kind of in that hustle, hustle mm -hmm. culture? Or 
do you like it when you have the pause and you get to reflect and you're starting to gear yourself up with the skills you need for your next level? I think you said it um, perfectly. It's a season. I think every season, like you, you enjoy, like it's, it's like you're working out, like you enjoy pumping the iron, you enjoy, you know, grinding it out. But at one point you want to see those results. At one mm-hmm. point you want, you want to see, all what your hard work has paid off to you. At one point, you want to have that championship trophy in your hand. You want to have that victory that says, yes, all the work I've been doing, all the grinding I've been doing, it might be hey, that next promotion, right? That you that you work so hard for, right? It might be, you know, that you got that pay raise, right? Or you guys finish a new project, or you're able to help impact a certain amount of families. All these different things in the corporate life and your personal life uh, can really be able to develop that you from all that hard work you put in. I feel like no one wants to work forever and never see what, you know, what happens at the end, their end result. So like you said, it's, it's, it's a, the grind and the, the hustle, it feels great, but it's even better when you get to that, that final step, when you're able to see the fruits of your labor. So mm-hmm. I think all of them working together allows, you know, us to be kind of be thankful because if we're just grinding every day and, you know, back at ground zero every, you know, every morning and never having an end goal, I think it won't really be eventually over time. We'll get burnt out. So. Yes. I see it all the time. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you're kind of saying it's the process that we should be taking, uh, enjoying and not you're using the word grind, but you're saying grind, going to the gym, enjoying the the gym, the results of the game. But it's a process. Sound like you're saying that's more so than anything is a process. So it's a two part question. Am I, misinterpreting what you're saying enjoy the process i definitely agree it's all about the process right um you know we all we all love to you know you know we all love to see those end goals those end results if we're stuck in one part of the process that's when these people get frustrated people get stagnant and people sometimes quit and give up but they see themselves progressing through that process getting better achieving those goals reaching those those milestones that's when people start getting those endorphins start going off and and they're feeling good and it's that for me you know so it's like you know we all love the process of getting better and sometimes in life i I believe that we're always in the process of getting better at something and we should always be getting better at something even if it's just one percent every single day so here's the second part of that question i know you're a big fan of the seven habits of highly effective people and I also know that you're a big believer in the second one, begin with the end in mind. Can you kind of balance that out with, balance that out for us? Begin with the end in the mind, but enjoy the process. Can you balance yeah. that out for leaders? For sure. So, no, before you even start, I've seen a lot of businesses say, before you begin into business, know your exit strategy, right? That doesn't take away from every single step of the process of the of the connections you make, right? Or you know, the, the laying the foundation or building the business or building your team, all those steps are can be enjoyable. But before you even start that endeavor, knowing the, the end goal, right? Because the end goal is like it's like the end of a rainbow, right? We're, we're, we're climbing the mountain and we're trying to get over that mountain so we can get to the bottom of that rainbow. But the process of getting up that mountain, seeing those views, seeing, you know, getting that fresh air, being at the top of the mountain, it's great. But we still the end goal is to, to get to the end of the rainbow. So I see it's a it's a process like yeah. process, right? Enjoying the progression, right? But at the end goal, being rewarded once you actually accomplish those goals. 
and actually achieve the, you know, the, the end goal that you set, set, set forth before you. So Chandler, you, you do a lot of corporate speaking mm-hmm. and you're working with, you know, leaders, leaders at various levels in the audiences that you serve. What are you seeing out there right now? Like, how are you, how are you advising them? Is there a common theme that's running through organizations right now? Just kind of what's the pulse? Yeah, right now, one of the big issues that people, uh, a lot of corporations are having is the, the quiet quitting. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, um, but there's also the opposite, quiet firing. That's a new one that's coming out. I don't know if you guys oh. heard about that as well. Haven't heard uh, of that. What is it? So it's the opposite of quiet quitting. So where, you know, quietly quitting, that means you're, you're, you're still working, you're doing the bare minimum at your job just so you can stay there, but you're not really fully engaged and really trying to push forth for growth in the company. Quiet quitting is that they essentially, they, you know, your manager or advisor team probably has essentially fired you and not really fired you, but they essentially make the environment so uncomfortable and not really help you grow that you want to leave. So it's like, we're not going to tell you you're, you're fired. We're not going to actually you know, say that you, we don't no longer want you here, but we're going to make these conditions very unfavorable for you. And we're going to make these uh, the situation not very comfortable for you. So you eventually just quit. That sounds awful. <laughs> it's not the best thing. It's, I wouldn't, I, I, I kind of frown upon companies that do that. Uh, so I'm big on communication, but um, yeah, it's that, those two things have been kind of happening recently with a lot of the shifts and things going on in the, the, the atmosphere right now. Wow. Well, what's your coaching for that? I mean, coach me. I'm a leader. I got 10,000 people working for me. That 5,000 are just doing it to get the paycheck. What's your coaching for me? The first thing I would do is figure out where like that gap is. There's a gap between getting your employees engaged and just having them there, you know, collecting the paycheck, figuring out ways to actually highly involve your staff, getting their opinions more, getting them to feel like they're more valued, getting them to be like maybe even doing events or doing uh, corporate events or doing ways to bring the team together, especially now when we're going more of a hybrid remote style workforce. A lot of people are at home, they're working, but are they really working, right? It's a good to figure out ways to bring people together, have a, you know, support groups, have groups that, you know, um, you know, accountability groups where you can be able to put people together, make sure they're staying accountable, doing their job, feeling their voices being heard, uh, really being able to actually get their selves to be feel like they're actually being pushed and, and helped to get to their goals. Because the only way that you can get someone to actually do what you want is to figure out what they want. If you're able to give them what they want, essentially get that actually achieves your goal as well. That's where you're going to be able to start bridging that gap. And I say it's up to the managers to be sitting down with their team and figure out what the goals are for each individual. Right. It might be a short term, might be a mid or long term goal that they each each individual uh, employee might have within the company. Right. It could be a short term like, hey, I just want to pay off this school loan debt. Okay, great. You're my, you know, one of my mid-level sales. But if you're able to get five or six more sales this quarter, this is how much money you can be uh, making. Let's actually help you to get there. Boom. Or it's like, you know, um, you know, I want to get that next promotion. I've seen that this could be the, you know, this could really open up financially for my family. We'll be able to, you know, take the extra vacation that me and my wife have always been wanting to go on to. Figuring out those little things 
and showing that you care and remember that people are people, not just numbers. That right there would change the entire ecosystem at your, uh, at your workplace. Because right when people, they say people don't care what you know until you know when they know that you care. Mm -hmm. When you show that you care about them and them achieving your, their goals, man, sky's the limit. Wow. Wow. That's probably getting more and more difficult in this environment. I, I remember there, there weren't a lot of people that were extremely good at that pre-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of the corporate roles that I had, it was, it was already attention. And now we've, you know, kind of blown that up a little bit. And <laughs> we've added some layers of complexity to it while another generation has entered the workforce in the meantime. So there's a lot of individual needs that I think a good thing that came out of it is we're, we're open about it and we're talking about it and we can bring our whole selves to work. Um, that has its challenges as well for leaders in particular, but um, I'm glad that you are coaching them away from quiet firing. I, immediately, the first thing I thought of was that's, that's a lawsuit <laughs> waiting to happen because if they're doing something passive aggressively or um, I mean, there, I don't know, there's so many layers to that. They, they, it could really be a dangerous area of trying to make someone not feel good at work. And um, yeah. yeah, there's there, there could be some legal issues there. But how do you match that up with your own corporate career prior to your your current role? Because once you finished pro basketball, you entered the workforce as well. And and, you know, you kind of just found your way into some really interesting doors that you managed to open. And was that were, the, were those good leadership lessons, bad ones somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I would say both. Right. So uh, from a lot I've I went through so many different coaches before I got to the corporate world. I learned all the what not to do with leadership and what not to do with <laughs> coach and what to avoid. I actually, for one part of my life, I was so disgusted with um, poor leadership from our my coaches that I had in the past. That I, I didn't want to do anything with coaching, right? I didn't want to do, I didn't want to even touch coaching because I seen how bad it could be. Um, but then also that showed me what I, what should be done. And then when I got into the corporate world, I seen an array of different type of management styles and coming from environments where you know very intense, right? When the coach is yelling and cussing and spitting in your face. Uh, you know, in practices to go into a, a little more, a somewhat of a hostile work environment, you're like, this is a walk in the park. And being able to see the different types of uh, leadership styles from the corporate levels, from big companies like Nike's, the Google's that I've worked for, um, all the way down to the you know, companies like Paycom that I previously was working with, all these different companies and seeing all, being able to take that from what I already previously knew seeing what was working wasn't what wasn't working and what are what it came down to on the foundation is that people are people right and i think a lot of times we forget that and we get a lot of other things in our mind that you know we want to get these numbers hit we want to do this and this and this but at the end of the day those individuals that are, that are people and when we realize that a lot of things can be solved and can be accomplished through simple communication and just a little bit of human compassion that it can take to the next level. So for me, seeing everything from, you know, 20 plus years of playing, you know, a sport, actually going and working for these large corporations and translating all that to what I've what I know today in my experience and my journey, 
it was able to be able to really open up my eyes to a lot of things that we can be able to start implementing to uh, corporations across the world. Um, so that's what kind of got me to where I'm at today. When you bring your, your skills to the table and you identified the, the quiet quitting and the quiet firing as big issues, I would imagine though for a leader is more of the quiet quitting because they're going to blame the, the employees. For sure. Um, what, how do you, do you bring your basketball life into that or do they listen to that? Um, let me rephrase the question. All right, I got the issue now. It's not me wanting to fire people. It's just they're not putting in their effort, quiet quitting. And your your suggestion is for me to understand them first, to put out first to see where they're at. Is that how you're suggesting I handle that for a little while? I would say as a leader, right? As a leader, it's always our job to first take responsibility, right? That's step one of any goal, right? A leader is one that takes responsibility of all their actions and their team. So if we're pointing the finger at someone else, we're immediately giving away our leadership role, our leadership potential, because that's what followers do, right? Followers take full responsibility of their actions and what their team is doing. So it's, and taking taking responsibility is actually easier than pointing the finger at someone else. Because you know why it's easier now, you have the opportunity to take charge and to change things if it's in your hands. But if you give them all the power and responsibility to someone else, you can't change or dictate what, what they do, right? It's easier to point the finger. Yeah. It's easier to point the finger, but maybe we have four fingers back. So what I would coach a, um, a leader on is how to be able to start working and looking at themselves and what could they can do better with their team and then do the best they can to actually drive that productivity within their employees from actually getting to know them. You know, I'm sorry, Rob and Chandler, but that's a writable moment. If people miss that, that's a writable moment. If you take responsibility yourself, then you can change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of those few moments we have every now and then that somebody guesses and says, no, that's something you should be writing down, not tweeting, writing it down. <laughs> I grab the responsibility myself because then I have the ability to change it instead of blaming somebody else. I, I thought that was really striking too. I thought that was a fantastic answer. Do you get resistance with that at all? Always. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of times, you know, certain leaders, um, you know, don't think they're ever wrong. And there's some that I can help. There's some I, I can't. And I always say, as you're working with teams and working with individuals, it's always good to figure out where um, that missing link is or where that missing connection is and what may be holding that person back. Maybe it's some internal right we deal with a lot of things mentally as well uh from our from our different lives people are raised differently people who are from different backgrounds from different cities different places different different paradigms in general mm-hmm. so understanding and really taking a deep dive of everyone internally and pulling that leader out of each individual person can help the entire organization take a monument of shift forward wow well there's just so many enlightening things that you've said I'm kind of curious, what are you doing right now? What are you working on right now that's helping employees or helping leaders? What are you working on? What's your projects? One of the projects I'm working on right now, I'm actually putting out one of my first books. So I'm working okay. on that right now. It's called The Leader With Me. I want everybody to notice something. If you didn't hear it, it said one of my first books. Love it. You <laughs> got that? Yep. Yeah. Um, I will have multiple books coming out, but I'm working on my first one right now. It's called The Leader Within. 
Um, it's essentially a step-by-step -step guide of how to take any and transform any employee into a leader, maybe mid-management mid mid level, all the way up to executives in the company. Really, and really um, the biggest part of the book is, is talking about how that you as an individual have to lead yourself. You might not believe in leading anyone else, but as long as you're leading yourself, that's the first step into leadership. And sometimes we only need people to be level one leaders, right? We don't need entire clock, you know, and even level one leaders might follow level two leader, level three leader. So it's like each area, if all of us are doing our part, right, it'll make the whole world a better place. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, you're, you're so right. Mm -hmm. Even just an individual as a leader, I, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and one of the things that we had to do going around the room was everyone talk about two or three areas of life that we are a leader over. And it's interesting how many people didn't see themselves as leaders because it might not have been in their title. And so it was a paradigm mm -hmm. shift of, well, you know, you could be the leader of your household and maybe, maybe your influence is with your children right now, um, or, you're just that go-to person at work that you might not have the manager title yet, but we can all lead, right? There's, it's more of a, a qualification than a characterization, but yeah, I, I think that's going to be a great book. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. And just to that point, you said it is that no title makes you a leader, right? Internally having those skills, having that influence, having that gift inside that everyone's been given that God given gift, everyone has a purpose mm -hmm. and, and in your purpose, you'll be the one and only leader for that purpose. Right. And everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses and my strengths might not be the same as yours, but your weaknesses might be my strength and my weakness might be your strength and vice versa. So that's when I say um, collaborations are most powerful when we can identify where we're strong at, and figure out everyone else around us that's stronger than us in that particular area so that we all can focus on our strengths and then lean on the other leaders who have those strengths that which are our weaknesses so we can strengthen those up as well. And that's where it all comes back to how you manage a team, right? And not just having everybody be separate individuals. It's, it's mixing it all and bringing out everybody's best. It, good stuff. Good stuff, Chandler. This has been so fun yeah. to talk to you. Um, Glenn, did, were you going to pop in with another question? I don't want to. Yeah, and this is, you just, you brought it up, Chandler. So again, this is your fault, but. When, <laughs> I take full responsibility. <laughs> I'll blame you. You take responsibility if that works. Um, you said something about strength and we figure out what people's strengths are. To be honest, I kind of feel like that's kind of a cop out because I look at, okay, I didn't play professional sports and I don't know what that's really like, but I look at the people who are successful in it, like you were, like, you know, some of the big superstars. They knew what the strengths were, but they didn't work on the strengths. They worked on the weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? Am I off base when I say that? If I am, coach me up on it. No, no. So, Think, look at that. Look at that. Let's talk about the NBA for a second, right? Okay. Every every player has a position, a position, and a, a role that they are they're paid to you know to follow, right? Everyone can't be LeBron James, 
right? We can't have five people trying to score the ball, right? All five yeah. need to be able to know how to score the ball, but you have one guy that's going to bring the ball up the court. You have another guy that's going to shoot. Another guy's going to pass. You have some people blocking out down low, trying to get the neck to rebound, posting up, setting screens. Everyone has a role, right? And even okay. though we want to we want to focus on our strengths, but like I said, leaning on our on our weaknesses allow us to strengthen our weaknesses through other people who are better at that. For example, right, LeBron James worked out with Kareem on the hook shot, right? LeBron James, you don't see him shooting the hook shot a lot, but he digs. That's one of his weaknesses, right? You see people, you know, uh, you know, working with people who are better at that specific area in their game, right, to actually get them to that next level, right? They might not use that weakness a lot, but they want to strengthen it up. They don't want that, that weakness to be their Achilles heel, right, where they're going out and training. So, yeah, you focus on your strengths. But you also have to strengthen your weaknesses. You don't want to be too weak in any area, especially if that's, you know, what you're working on getting better and you're getting paid at that particular thing. You don't want to you don't want to find any, uh, you know, I could say any dents or any holes in your armor uh, when when it comes when it comes to battle, when it comes to war. So hmm. I would say definitely, you know, focus on your strength but in the meantime, you know, strengthen those weaknesses as well. Wow. Love it. Barbara, I have one more question, but uh, do you have another one? No, I'll, I'll, you keep going. Refer to me. So here's my other question. Here's my question for you. What questions did Barbara and I miss? We should have asked you that we didn't ask you. What would, What's that question? We should have asked you, but we didn't ask you. Well, that's a good question. Um, one one question uh, that comes to the top of mind is, is that you guys kind of mentioned before, but you know, what am I doing or what am I ways I'm actually improving or, or taking companies to that next level things that I'm doing differently that set me apart from everyone else. Like what is that unique factor or something that I'm doing differently? That's, that's what comes to the top of my head right now. Darn good question. I like and, that question. Give us an answer. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, one of the things that makes me very unique, right. Outside of my background um, is essentially where I'm at in life too. A lot of a lot of times I'm going in and speaking, right? You know, there's a lot of times speakers come into most organizations, they're gray haired, right? They're they're a lot older, they're you know on a far end of the spectrum, right? But me, I'm being right in the middle, 30 years old. I'm not too far from the younger generation. I'm not too far from the older generation, where I'm able to connect with both. And my calling card is how I can connect entry level employees with top level executives. Right. Where you have gener baby boomers and, and uh, Gen Alpha, Gen Beta coming in. Right. Where all these different generations are able to connect. And I'm right in the middle. So I'll, I was able to grow up within social media time frame, but also been able to learn how to send emails and, and start, you know, type on the type you know, computer before, before it was a big thing out. So all those different things I experienced being at that, that very middle point as a millennial uh, and me being able to connect entry level people. re-engineer how they were taught and how they were brought up, you know, from the new things that were happening with technology and social media and all those great things. So for me, I, I think I'm a, a very sweet spot for many organizations that were at this huge, you know, precipice right now where companies are trying to keep employees and really be able to connect with their employees and build that employee engagement. That's where you bring me in. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. 
I love it too. And I, I love that you've honed in on that being your superpower because when you can play across a broad audience and all of them can see some element of themselves in you, you can have a huge impact. And I have no doubt that you do. Thank you. Yeah, I thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy and we want to be respectful of that time, but I thank you for the time and for the lessons. I think you yeah, I learned a yeah. lot. Well, glad to help. I was just sharing what I know from other leaders, other leaders ahead of me who taught me that, put me under the wing, and I'm just sharing what they taught me for the, the next generation to come behind us. Yeah, so I'm going to ask, if you will, just hang out in our green room for a couple minutes while Barb and I uh, talk real quick, but can you hang out so we can say goodbye after we finish? For sure. Okay, it won't be too long, two or three hours. No, I'm just kidding. Again, thank you. Here we go. Wasn't that fun? On occasion, we hit somebody who's fun, intellectual, brilliant, and has a viewpoint that is just like, I got to write that down. I got yeah. to remember that. Um, the ideal, so many things he said, I mean, we pointed out, I pointed out the um, beginning with the end in mind, but he also sat on the fifth habit of uh, highly effective people. Seek first to understand, mm -hmm. then to be understood. He didn't frame it that way, but you could tell he read the book because that's kind of you know what this yeah. is all about. Just a powerful lesson today, I think. I can imagine just him on a much larger stage and the energy that he would just project and the lesson. It, yeah. What a dynamic speaker and a very cool guy. I um, There's so many things I can't even nail down. Like he would say something and I would think, Oh, I got to bring that up later. There were too yeah. many of them for my brain to keep track of. <laughs> there was a couple of them that just, I mean, and good thing we have the tape because we can go back on the tape. Yeah. But uh, you know, one thing you talked about and I talk about it in my keynote is um, spaceships take off. They all have to reach a certain point where they have to throttle back down, relax, yeah, and check out where their view is. But they never look backwards. And I said that's kind of the way humans should operate. We have to, you know, we could be headed for our goals, but sometimes we have to throttle back so the pressure doesn't tear us up, right? And then not look backwards. So, like, it's right. a different view. I thought that was a brilliant thing. I think we're going to get a lot of good writable points out of it. Mm -hmm. I certainly hope that he uses it because I think people need to hear him in a conversation as well to say, hey, yeah, bring him out. I I really was struck by the the way he handled strengths versus weaknesses, not as a dichotomy, but yes, focus on, focus on your strengths, but don't let your weaknesses be your Achilles heel. I thought that was really good because that's yeah. always a tension point with leaders. Do I focus on my weaknesses? Do I, like, where do I focus? What am I, am I supposed to be good at everything? Um, yes and yes. Yeah, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't exclusively focus on turning weaknesses into strengths, but but at least strengthen them enough that well, they aren't they are at the end of you. So I, I thought that was brilliant. There's an analogy with uh, um, LeBron James and uh, Kareem learning how to shoot that hook shot. Yeah, that was, cool. that was great. Even though they, even though I, I don't follow enough basketball. I don't know whether he uses it or not, but he said on occasion he'll use it. So he has it. Yeah. You know, put that iron in your golf club for that sports analogy. You know, have that ability to swing that seven hours, shoot that hook shot. That's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. And to be honest, we might consider him for some other things with us. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. Oh, yeah. 
What a All good right. time. Yeah, it'll be good. So let's go ahead and wrap up. I appreciate it. Um, you're such, I was telling him earlier that if I could be off my game, like I am today with the sore throat and everything, don't have to worry about it. I got you. So you're oh, great well, vice versa there. <laughs> and we'll keep on doing this and we'll get going. Yeah. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining in. And if you get a moment, please go ahead and like the broadcast if you're looking at it on YouTube. And have a great day.